0: Hello, Blazers. Welcome to episode 66 of UAB Green and Told, original release date Monday, February 28th, 2022. This podcast gives us the opportunity to share stories from members of the UAB community. Looking to listen to past episodes of the podcast? Visit alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold or check us out on Spotify and the Apple Podcast app. While there, leave a written review to help more alumni find us. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and assistant director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. As the college basketball season starts to wind its way towards tournament play, there's no better time to welcome a UAB great to the podcast. When you look at his numbers, Mo Finley should be considered one of the best ballers in Blazer history. But before he got on the court in Bartow, he had to get to Birmingham. And as he'll share, it's a journey that almost didn't happen.
1: I didn't get any looks from college. (laughs) So that's, I don't know. Uh, My senior year, I was able, our team, we made it to the Final Four. And I had 71 points in two games.
0: You can say that UAB took a chance on the kid from East Central Alabama, and a chance, as we'll discover, is all Mo wanted.
1: I'll prove them wrong. Like no one thought that I would be even in that position, so I was not unfamiliar with someone around me, close, you know, someone doubting me. I had a football coach tell me once, uh, "Son, you're not going to be a five nine basketball star."
0: And while he's best known for the shot that upset top seeded Kentucky in the NCAA tournament, he feels that it was one that he shouldn't have had to even attempt.
1: Uh, The last shot, and I tell people all the time, the last shot actually for me wasn't as hard as the the shot that I hit before. And then, to be honest, we wouldn't even need we wouldn't have needed that last shot if I hadn't missed the box out.
0: (laughs) In basketball, every shot counts, but for Blazer fans, there is one that is more memorable than the many thousands that came before and have come since. Mo Finley's game-winning shot to upset Kentucky in the 2004 NCAA tournament cemented him as one of the best Blazer basketball players of all time. While he's best known for one shot, a big shot, don't get me wrong, to know Mo, you have to go back to his days growing up in Lafayette, Alabama, a place he found himself on the court and on the diamond.
1: Baseball and football, you know, now every sport overlaps with every other sport. And so, you know, basketballs year-round for a lot of people. Fortunately for us, and for myself, uh, I had a chance to love and learn how to play other things. And, um, you know, in all honesty, baseball is probably my favorite sport.
0: No kidding. So are you a Braves fan, being a baseball guy?
1: No, 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 no. I'm not a Braves guy at all. <laughs> I'm a big Dodgers fan. I'm a huge Dodgers fan.
0: So what drew you to Dodger baseball as a kid in in almost growing up in Georgia?
1: Well, you know, actually my grandmother. Um, so, you know, obviously the— Integration of Major League Baseball was a big deal, especially in the African American community. And so, um, my grandmother figured the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time, they gave an opportunity for, uh, you know, people that looked like her, looked like her sons. And so, from that point on, Finleys are, are Dodger fans. And so, I, I've never grown up knowing and loving, or even, you know, considering loving another team.
0: So, how good of a ball player were you?
1: <laughs> I think everybody's a little better than they actually. Than they, uh, everyone thinks they're a little better than they actually were. Um, I think I was okay. I was
0: okay. So you grew up with a passion for baseball, but you obviously didn't take that to the next level, but you took basketball to the next level. So when did you find out that you have a talent for hoops?
1: Uh, you know, I think you grew. we grew up playing everything. So it wasn't so much, you know, if I have a talent for it, it was more so about what was available. So when I turned 13, 14, baseball sort of died down a little bit in my hometown. So you didn't have as many opportunities, but basketball was one of the things it's kind of like, I equated. to, do you ever seen Varsity Blues, right? You know, the, movie, the football movie. So basketball in my hometown is very much like Varsity Blues. Every boy grows up wanting to be on the basketball team. And when I was, I guess, 10 or so, there was the guy in my hometown who got a scholarship to Mississippi State. And so that kind of got everyone's desires going as far as chasing basketball dreams. And then a few years later, the local community college which was about 20 minutes away. They had a kid, a guy that went to Arkansas. And so our thought was if they found him in, in Southern Union in Wiley, Alabama, like surely they can find us. I mean, this is pretty close. So my friends and I, we all just sort of uh, gravitated towards what, you know, we were seeing uh, up close, which was basketball success.
0: Was there a point that you realized that you had the it factor in Fayetteville and that you could <laughs> move on to the next level?
1: Uh, I don't know if there was a point where I just, where it kind of clicked out. I, I in all honesty, I'm, I've always been a pretty confident kid, a confident guy, so in my mind it was just a matter of having an opportunity and you know at some point you start to wonder and you know concern yourself with will i get an opportunity i don't know that i ever just said you know i got i got it It we just all of us felt like we had it and it was just a a matter of time before someone else thought it too at least that that was my hope and my dream and fortunately thankfully you know kind of eventually someone agreed
0: at what point in your high school career did you start getting the looks from college scouts from the recruiters because Obviously, you had talent. You're being humble because you wound up playing Division One basketball. So, when did that kind of fall into place?
1: I didn't get any looks from college, <laughs> so that's I don't know. Uh, my senior year, I was able. Our team we made it to the Final Four, and so Final Four here in Birmingham is a big deal. Lots of college co- coaches come there, and I had 71 points in two games. And so, the couple of weeks later, UAB comes down and they offer me a scholarship. And realistically, I had I didn't do anything differently that week. At the civic center than I had did my whole basketball life. The only difference was someone actually saw it and decided to give you know a a kid from a small town a chance.
0: What do you think they saw? Because at the time, and you still are, you're five eleven. I mean, you're not a prototypical basketball player height or size. So you're shifty and all that. But what do you think they saw in you?
1: I I think they saw just a guy that you know loved to play and was willing to compete and. You know, attitude kind of play with a chip on my shoulder. I mean, obviously, like you mentioned, I'm not the the biggest basketball player in the world. But I think they saw my competitive spirit and my drive. And then I think once they got a chance to know me a little closer, once I got to school, they saw my work ethic and um, just my you know my enjoyment of the game. And so that that part is kind of often overlooked with a lot of people because everyone's interested in what looks the flashiest. But when you kind of Pick a little, peel a little bit on back, you know, peel the surface back a little bit, You can kind of see what someone's made up a little bit. I think once UAB got a chance to see that up close, um, you know, they felt even better about taking a chance on me.
0: So UAB goes out and they do take a chance on you. You didn't get right. looks. You wind up at UAB. What were your expectations? Because at that point you're kind of a nobody. I mean, you really didn't have a name to you.
1: Right. Well, you know, my expectations were I'll prove them wrong. Like no one thought that I would be even in that position. So I was not unfamiliar with someone around me, close, you know, someone doubting me. I had a football coach tell me once, uh, son, you're not going to be a five nine basketball star. Uh, I had an uncle who told me, you better concentrate on football. I had, so I wasn't very, there was, I, I didn't think twice about my ability to be able to contribute and to, you know, prove them right. So I, I felt pretty good about where I was. I just felt like, you know, they don't know yet. I know, but they don't know.
0: How did you get the the eyes of the coaches when you were on the court in Bartow Arena? Because obviously you're competing with other players who were probably recruited along the way.
1: Right. Well, I think just just my work ethic and my attitude and my approach to the game, I think that is what, you know, drew my coaches to me a little bit more. They see you putting in the time and the effort. And you hear coaches say it all the time, you know, you earn your opportunity, you know, in practice. And so I think I genuinely did that because, I mean, there was no other reason to put me in other than, hey, we're seeing it every day. And now we kind of have to kind of believe what our eyes are showing us. So, you know, once that kind of took place, you know, I was kind of off and running.
0: Was there a point during your freshman season where you kind of clicked and you knew from then on it was going to be kind of a a fun career and a fun journey?
1: You know what? Sort of. So the first couple of games I played really well, or well, what I would consider well for a freshman. Um, You know, I had a couple of three double-digit scoring games, and then I had a really big game when the starting point guard was out. And so that moment kind of helped me feel like, man, like, okay, I had like 32 points against Fresno State down at the Civic Center where I mean, it was a pretty big crowd, a big moment, made some a bunch of clutch plays. And so at that moment, I felt like, okay, I got it figured out. And then conference season, <laughs> conference season hits. And then you kind of float back down to earth. And so it was a little up and down. But I, I felt like the Fresno State game my freshman year, I think that kind of gave the coaches a little more confidence in me and that, hey, you know, maybe not right now, maybe not every game, but we think he can come out and contribute and can can help us be a good team.
0: How did you see your growth between coming in as a freshman to when you stepped foot on the court your senior season?
1: I think as a freshman, you're just, um, like, well, at least in my case, everyone's not, you know, a freshman Kevin Durant. But I think a freshman, like, the biggest problem or issue you have is just the speed of the game. Like, everyone – is just as good as you. Everyone's just as fast, just as quick, just as strong. And so that was, it took a little time to adjust. And again, like I said, I had some ups and downs. I had some games where I played really well and I had some games where, you know, man, like I'm a freshman. And so, but by the time I turned, you know, my senior year, I felt just really confident in my ability and who I was. I knew i had put in the work. And so my confidence levels was high. I feel like, you know, by your senior year, your skill level, um, It's kind of caught up in your brain, your IQ and stuff. It's all sort of meshing, or at least it should be, much better than your freshman year. And so I, I felt pretty good on the court as a senior. And so, um, I mean, you just kind of, every part of my game had grown, every part, the mental part, the physical part,
0: um, all of it. Did you ever consider yourself a star when you said foot on the court?
1: <laughs> no, I, you know, I stars are the people that everyone knows and everyone expects a lot of. I think I was a guy that, Maybe hopefully my peers kind of respected what I did on the court, but I don't think star would be a, a good term to describe me or how I felt about myself. And again, I was a pre, I was I was a pretty confident player, but you know that I think to me it's not necessarily that big of a deal who considers you a star as long as you know that you're able to come out and do your job and do it well. Like who cares what people outside of your teammates and your coaches and your fans and your family and the people you care about are thinking of calling you? So.
0: Mo, you scored over 1,500 points. You're in the leader books for most three-pointers in school history. What grounds you? What keeps you humble? Because in my eyes, and I think in a lot of fans' eyes, you were a star.
1: Oh, you know, I, I think probably just my upbringing and my faith and my family. Because here's the thing, like, just being honest, like, any kid from Lafette was, you know, could have been in my position. Like, everyone's in our hometown was, you know, pretty talented. They all loved to play. You know, some kids worked hard, some didn't. I didn't do anything I thought was, you know, just so spectacular. So I'm very aware of the fact that I could easily have been a guy that didn't, if our high school team doesn't make it to the Final Four, like maybe I don't get an opportunity. Like maybe, you know, maybe the guy down the street gets an opportunity. I mean, it's, it's just, I, I, I don't consider, you know, my life, I guess, any, I mean, of course I having an active role in the decisions I make, but I, I feel just really grateful and thankful that I have an opportunity because it could have easily been someone else. And so that's not lost on me. Plus, one of the things I think that keeps me, uh, at least in college. <laughs> so I mentioned that thirty-two point game. So my my girlfriend at the time, who later became my wife, she actually worked in the building when I had like the best game of my freshman year, and I met her my freshman year. So it's you know great big game, new girl. Hopefully I could. Hopefully she saw that. I wanted to see it. She didn't see any of it. And so every chance she got during even you know especially in college, but she would make sure to say like, I'm not your fan. I'm not your fan, Morris. So no matter what would happen she would always remind me that she wasn't my fan. And I think um, that along with just, um, you know, just the, the upbringing of my mom and dad, the, the things they instilled in me just kind of kept me, hey, do what you're supposed to do, work hard while you can, and just be thankful and grateful for everything you get.
0: When you guys made it into the NCAA tournament, obviously as a low seed, you weren't really expecting to do a whole lot. What were your expectations going into that tournament? <laughs>
1: You know, like, my expectations were the same. And again, like, I I haven't always been a big
0: believer in what you see
1: on TV. Like, I, at the same time, like, you got to go out and play the game. So, like, I knew Washington was a really good program. I knew that, you know, UAB, when you hear national basketball, you think, I mean, uh, college basketball, you think the Blue Bloods first. You don't necessarily think UAB first. And that's fine. But I also played, I played enough basketball at that point to know that none of that stuff really matters once you get on the court. And so my expectations were, I'm quite honest, I didn't expect us to lose. I mean, you can't go into those games thinking that you're going to lose and thinking, you know, that the other teams are better or bigger or better because they've been on CBS every weekend or they're in this conference to that conference. At the end of the day, you just got to go out and play. And I felt really good about myself and about my teammates and our ability to do that. Any nerves? The first game I was, I was really pressed in that first game. Like, I I, I can admit that now, you know, because you've waited so long to get to that spot. And then, you know, you want to do well. You want to play well because, again, if you lose, it's over. So I think I pressed a little bit that first game for sure. Uh, But once the game kind of got going and, you know, it was over, after it was over, I was fine. And then the next game, I was better. And then the next game, you know, it was just, um, I mean, once the game kind of gets going, you kind of calm down a little bit.
0: Talk a little bit about the Kentucky game because, I mean, that's the one everybody remembers with you with the shot Take me through the final few series and what was kind of going through your mind. Everybody can watch it on TV, but we want to hear it with your words. What was it like?
1: You know, I felt really good about Kentucky, man, because I realized i we watched them play all season, obviously, because they were in the STC, And so I knew they really only played a few guys, and I understood that our style of play, I thought it would give them a lot of trouble, and, and it did. You know, so just us playing with our depth and the way that we play, I think it gave them, you know, more issues than they had originally thought that they would have from us. And so the last few minutes were fairly calm. I think, I think coach Anderson did just a really good job of kind of settling everyone down because Kentucky, obviously they're Kentucky for a reason. They made a one. And so now the game's kind of going back and forth. And uh, I mean, they did a good job, but I think as a team, we did a really good job of just kind of staying present, staying in the moment, not panicking, which I um, mean it's difficult to do in that type of moment.
0: What was it like, the jubilation, the thrill of hitting that shot to knock off a top-seeded Wildcat team?
1: Uh, I think at the time, you, you're not really um, you're not really focused just on that. I think the, the, the jubilation part for me comes from just from seeing all of my teammates and seeing their faces. Uh, the last shot, and I tell people all the time, the last shot actually for me wasn't as hard as the, the shot that I hit before. And then, to be honest, we wouldn't even need, we wouldn't have needed that last shot if I hadn't missed the box out. (laughs) And the guy gets to put back dump for Kentucky, I missed the box out because I was watching. Um, And so I had to try to make up for it. But I think just, you know, after uh, after the shot went in, the last shot that I made, I went to the bench. Coach helped me out for defensive purposes. And so I just started praying. And I just, you know what, like this has been an amazing time. And so that was just kind of my natural thing. Like, you know, whenever you're having, you know, I say it, it sounds you know corny, but it's true. Like if you were going down in a plane, like most people would start praying and they would start calling out to whoever, whatever, whoever they believed in to help them. And so that was kind of my thing. And so you know, as I was praying, and you know, in that moment, I thought I could hear the crowd. And that's how I knew that we won because I didn't hear the crowd go crazy. Because I mean, obviously, you're in Columbus, Ohio. There are a lot of Kentucky fans there. And so, um, I you know, I looked up, and I don't know if I've ever cried before after a game, but I mean, like, it was more so just so I was so happy. Uh, And so thankful because all of my teammates, they were jumping around and screaming. And we had done something that no one expected us to do except ourselves. So, you know, that's when I think back to Kentucky, that's the thing I think about our manager running out on the floor, throwing his towel, running out in front of the cameras. Uh, So if you see a picture from the game, you'll see a guy in a white shirt. Uh, He's our manager. This guy named Skip Wellborn. He's running and sprinting. And you think he played 40 minutes during the game. Uh, He's more excited than any player. So uh, that's the thats to me. That's the best part about it.
0: Was that game your favorite from your UAB career, or was there something else? You know, I, mean, I think the Fresno game was the problem. I mean,
1: that game obviously meant the most in terms of what it meant for our team. But I think the Fresno game for me was my favorite because it was the first time that I had proven that I could do that on, you know, the stage, uh, you know, D1 stage. Because like, in all honesty, like, nobody's expecting that. Nobody, No one except myself and people maybe from LaFette were expecting me to go out and and do some of the things that I was able to do on the basketball court at UAB. So I think the Fresno memory, um, that's probably the first time that a coach trusted me to kind of come in and, and really kind of, you know, play and, and, you know, needed me to play well in that game. And that was a, a huge moment for me. And that kind of got my confidence growing and going even more. Um, like Kentucky, once Kentucky got here, like I, like I fully expected for us to be able to win. And I expected to be, if I had an opportunity, I expected to make you know, any shot or any play that we needed us to make. You know, I, I felt pretty confident about that.
0: You had a very strong career at UAB, and you actually parlayed it into a professional career where you played many years overseas. Did you ever think you'd have that opportunity as a kid growing up in small town eastern Alabama?
1: Yes. That sounds that sounds bad, but yes. I, I absolutely believed that I would be able to, to turn, you know, my athletic passion into a career. And so I remember once when I was a kid, I asked my dad, I said, you know, I asked myself, I, I said, how will they find me? Because, you know, back then you could, like, now you can see any NBA game or any basketball game, baseball game you want to see. You can find a challenge, you can see it, you know. And so at the time, I remember we were, we were you know, laying around the house, we watched, you know, basketball on TV. And I said, um, I asked my dad, I said, well, how? Yeah, like if I'm good, like, how are they going to find me? Because at the time, you only heard about guys from New York or, you know, Georgetown or these places. Like, you never really heard about anybody from Alabama, or at least, you know, not as much outside of the SEC stuff you would hear. And my daddy told me, he said, if you're good, they'll find you. And I, he said, you just have to do the work. And like, and we never talked about it again. beginning. So I kind of just, it was one of those rare moments where, like, for example, I tell my son something and he doesn't believe me at all. Like, I can, <laughs> I can tell him something about basketball, and he looks at me like I'm crazy. But my dad told me that when I was fairly young, and I believed it. And so I never really wavered from that. So I was not surprised. That I had a chance to be a professional basketball player and at the time when he told me that you know in my mind I think you know I can play you know I'll be maybe I'll play baseball maybe I can play this I'll play that but never for one moment did I doubt that I would have an opportunity to play
0: you went to UAB what was kind of your goal academically what did you want to accomplish in the classroom
1: well I mean I was a good student in high school and so I my goal was to continue on with my academic success and so for me, I, you know, I studied psychology and I started, you know, I got my second degree in social psych. And so I had a postgrad scholarship. My thought was psychology was one of the things that interested me the most. And so my, for as far as I was concerned, like, if, you know, basketball, in case basketball takes a weird turn, um, I, at least I'll be prepared to do something that I enjoy. Fortunately for me, I was able to continue with basketball. But I think you, you use psychology a lot when you're playing sports. So, I mean, it, it worked hand in hand.
0: How did UAB mold you personally? We talked about, you know, what you've done on the court, but how did it shape you personally?
1: I think just having a chance to meet people from so many different walks of life. Like UAB isn't like a traditional college because, you know, at the time, the campus wasn't like campus. Like now you go there, everything's blocked off, it's blocked off. Um, When I was there, it was a huge part of the city. And so being from a small town, there's some things that I just didn't have access to and never saw, never, you know, even imagined. But once I got to school, You know, you're introduced to different types of music, different people. Um, A lot of the UAB athletes we had, for example, my teammates, uh, I had a teammate from Serbia. And so one of the first places I played in Europe was in Serbia and Montenegro. And so, I mean, I I just, the people, that was probably the biggest way I think UAB helped kind of shape me and mold me as an adult, as a young adult.
0: Does it seem like it's been a decade and a half since you've last suited up? (laughs) You know, my mind says no, but my
1: knees say yes. It's been a long time. I guess, you know, it, it always feels like time goes, you know, moves very quickly, for sure. But I don't know if you ever truly um, feel like it's such a long time ago because it's so fresh to think the memories that you make and the teammates and, you know, the experiences are are so vivid. It does. It makes it, you know, feel like yesterday. So. For me, every time every time i walk in Bartow Arena and I and I'll look to my left and I'll you know I'll see one of my teammates and I'll imagine us doing conditioning and I'll see Coach Anderson coming down the stairs like he used to do uh with hot chocolate in his hand or I'll see Coach Bartow with a <laughs> you know with a program, not a program, but a I guess like a practice program rolled in his hand, you know, very briefly. So it's it's um I don't know, it's I hate to get all teary out about it, but it's uh um, you know, it's, it's it's not as far away as it feet. it's not as far away as, as some people may think.
0: What is Mo Finley doing today?
1: Mo Finley today, I am in a gym. I'm around basketball constantly. I have my own business as a skills training business, and also we have travel basketball teams. Uh, I'm also the basketball director here at a local church where I do all the skills training sessions. So I'm in a gym, but not at the point where, um, you know, the stresses of Andy Kennedy and and Coach Mike Anderson, all those guys. Like I don't have that stress on me at all. <laughs> so. Uh, working with kids, helping kids, you know, get better at basketball. I tell parents I was able to play professional basketball not because of you know my elite size or athleticism. it was just more so because I was willing to do the work in terms of skill development and you know, competitive nature. that that's what helped me. And so that's what I try to instill and in pass along to other people that I get a chance to work with.
0: What advice would you give that small town kid? that has high aspirations of making it into the next level, going pro, what would you tell them?
1: Just do the work. Control what you can control. So many kids and, you know, quite honestly, parents, they just have such a weird perspective on what it actually requires. Now, of course, you have to have a, some natural ability, some talent, and some work ethic. But most importantly, the work ethic is the thing that's going to sustain. you. Just do the work. If you're working on your game and focusing on the, the things you can control, because obviously you can't control which coach calls you. You can't control... You know, even what your coach does or doesn't do, you can control your effort and your attitude. And I think uh, and maybe that's just the, you know, the Walter Finley in me who says, if you're good, they'll find you. And I I truly believe that.
0: That's Mo Finley. Mo graduated from UAB in 2003 with a double major in psychology and sociology. Today, he still ranks near the top of the school's career charts in scoring, steals, and three-pointers made. Mo is a Blazer through and through and has a good idea of what it means to be a Blazer.
1: Being a Blazer, especially, <laughs> like just being real about it, like everyone who was a Blazer is a Blazer by choice because it's not the first thing that Jumps out at you in terms of education in Alabama. Like for example, there are tons of kids that I grew up with whose parents went to HBCUs. They went to Alabama State, Alabama AM. and M. Um, I grew up with, with guys who they were Alabama football fans, or they grew up being Auburn football fans, and so they gravitate toward those places. But I think UAB. I think when you choose UAB, you're choosing differently. You're thinking outside of the box, and so I think Blazers. I think we're. I think we're making you know our own path. We're do, We're not following everyone else's lead. We're kind of carving out our own little space and our own spot. And I think that's what I mean. To be a Blazer means to be, dare I say, uh, a little different, a little uh, a little more special. I guess that, in my opinion, I think so. Um, it's easy to do what everyone else is doing. And Blazers, we're, we're not like everyone else.
0: Be sure to listen to previous episodes of UAB Green and Told. You can find all of them at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Have a story to share email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for UAB alumni. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers!